Oh, we've heard this before. It can only mean one thing. Cousin Rick is calling in from Needham, Massachusetts with Rick's Tech Talk. Good morning, Cousin Rick. Good morning, RT. Hey, hey, how are you doing? Okay. Very good, very good. What's the weather like in New England? Oh, I knew you'd ask me that, <laughs> but uh, it's hazy sunshine because of all the smoke that you guys have been sending us. <laughs> Is it coming your way? <laughs> yeah, I walked out of the house and you can smell it. <clears throat> and it, uh, they even had it on the, the uh, local weather forecast saying that... Uh, what we're seeing for hazy sun is due to the smoke that's uh, traveled three thousand miles. Wow, is that, that's really mind-boggling. I, uh, it is. I, uh, yeah, I, I really thought it was a you know a, a hyperbole on, on your part, but uh, no, it actually is the unfortunate reality. Yes, unfortunately, that uh, we've been told on good authority that it'll get cooler and just go away. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I know. So that, it's something to look forward to for all yeah, of us. Yeah, if you believe that, there's a bridge here in Brooklyn <laughs> that you may want to consider buying. Indeed there is. Indeed there is. Is there a motor? Is there a motor? Is there a right of the week we might be considering buying? Oh, yeah. Now, this is a super-duty ride of the week. It's a super uh, Ford F350, not one, two, but 350 SRW version of a 4x4 crew cab. Now, this is a huge pickup truck, and it's made for towing. Okay, this thing will tow your house even. And it comes with the the one we drove had a 6.7-liter V8 turbo diesel. Now, this thing puts out 475 horsepower, but... What's significant is that being a diesel, it puts out 1,050 pound-feet of torque. So you can haul, uh, depending on what kind of equipment you have with the the pickup truck, you can haul from 24,200 pounds to a whopping 37,000 pounds. And the, uh, the payload of the truck itself is 78 150 pounds. So this thing is made to move, and it's made to move uh, moving. And uh, because it's a diesel, though, you get fairly good mileage for a truck. The uh, It has an eco mode, and uh, we drove it for about 400 and some odd miles. And in the eco mode, uh, mostly highway driving, We were, uh, the computer says that uh, we were getting 22 miles to the gallon. Now, I've I've looked up that uh, most people on all around uh, experience get in the 20, in the uh, teens for miles per gallon, which is pretty good for a truck. And uh, being a, uh, it's, it's, this one comes with, I said it's got the V8 diesel, and that's hooked up to a 10-speed automatic transmission to increase the mileage. Now, inside, this is like a, uh, a luxury vehicle itself. It's got a limousine-sized back seat. You can get a lot back there, and uh, the interior is dark Marsala leather. Last week we had cashew leather. This week we have marsala leather. 
right. <clears throat> yes, yeah. we're branching out in a culinary uh, direction there. That's right. There seems to be a theme there that the leather is named after something you can eat <laughs> or drink. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, some other neat features on the car is the tailgate. It uh, You can have a push-button tailgate release, and in the tailgate, you push another button and a step comes down so that you can very easily get up and into the bed. And uh, we also had a moonroof, 10-way power front uh, seats, and you could set them to massage you while you're hauling whatever you're hauling, and it's got a 10-speaker Bang and Olufsen stereo. And uh, let's say the Super Duty platform starts at sixty six thousand two hundred thirty five dollars. I'll give it to Kevin. I'll give it. To but I imagine with the options on this, they didn't. Uh, Ford didn't tell us what the MSRP would be for this vehicle, the way it was equipped. So they, these things start at sixty six uh, k, roughly. Yeah, it sounds expensive, as they say. It is, but it's unique. Yeah, you know, no, if you, no, if you have good. a, you know, to haul an RV or, uh, you know, a trailer, you can comfortably do it, and ride in style in the front, and then uh, camp somewhere for the night. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you sell your house and buy this truck. Yeah, that's right. Some people have done that. Yes, indeed, indeed. Yeah. It's starting to sound like a good option to me right now in California. <laughs> hey, it could be like the turtle. Take your home with you. Yes, yes, indeed. All right. Uh, so uh, any other automotive no news, not news, but news you have for us today? Well, we got kind of one of them here. It's kind of automotive. Okay. And this comes from, uh, well, it's transportation-oriented. Okay, it comes from RMIT University in Melbourne, Australia. Now, RMIT is a merger of the formerly uh, Royal Institute of Technology and Melbourne Technical College, or Melbourne Technical College, and they've come up with a technique that takes construction debris, which is a lot of concrete, and they say half the debris... And waste in the world is construction debris. And so they said for having, uh, you know, all this concrete and maybe $1 billion, I mean, 1 billion tires around the world for scrap that are scrapped every year, they can take that construction debris and blend it with the material from recycled tires. And this mix makes a layer of roadbed that can be used to build roads. Now, most roads are made up of four layers, a couple of base layers, then a, a, a top layer. And the road has to be strong enough to support the vehicles, but it also has to have some flex in it so it doesn't crack readily. And uh, they say the, this material will help... Uh, help make it stronger. It has low shrinkage and good flexibility. So, uh, you know, there's some way to use construction debris and tires that uh, might help with uh, more sustainable uh, transportation and road building. 
Wow, that's a pretty clever solution there. There would be a great year for two things that are very difficult to dispose of <laughs> and actually put them to use. So uh, hopefully that works out well. Right, and it's interesting to know that there are about one billion scrap tires every year. Yeah, that's not surprising, you know. And um, and there's nothing worse than a tire fire, as we know. I haven't seen one in, a, in quite a while. I don't know if they've been mitigating that that uh, circumstance somehow. Well, I think, I think they've been trying to recycle as much as they can. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Good, good, good. All right. Um, a Musk Minute, by any chance? Oh, a Musk Minute, yes. We've got a significant Musk Minute here that uh, Elon suggests or uh, speculates that or says next week the 8th prototype, serial number 8 of the Starship, is looking to fly to 60,000 feet and make a pinpoint landing. Now, uh, the test articles that they've been uh, using in Boca Chica, Texas, they've done some 150-meter hops, maybe 500-feet hops. Now, this one is a Starship prototype with a full nose cone and movable fins that it'll have three of the Raptor engines on it to take it up to 60,000 feet when they'll shut off the engines and the uh, prototype will do like a belly flop, come down sideways to slow it down and then flip up on its tail and ignite the engines and land, much like the recoverable Falcon 9 rocket does. So if they can do this, it'll be uh, quite an achievement to achieve this maneuver maneuver and uh, Eventually, they want to use that to recover from a full orbital flight. Yeah, but if we come down... All right, and uh, sorry, when did you say this was uh, supposed to take place? He says next week. Is there one? Okay. Which which probably means next month, but... (laughs) Okay, and is that in uh, Boca Chica as well? I think so. Yes. That's where the Starship uh, assembly site is located and test uh, launch test site. All right, very good. Uh, any other tech talk you have for us today? Oh, yeah, we've got, uh, I don't know if you heard on the news this morning, but the discovery of phosphine in the atmosphere of Venus. A university consortium group has discovered a chemical called phosphine in the clouds of Venus between 30 and 40 miles high that is The only way they can explain it right now is that it indicates a life, some form of life in the atmosphere of Venus. Now, they said, you know, maybe there's another explanation, but nobody can come up with uh, that right now as to why this chemical would be in the atmosphere of Venus. And Venus, on the surface of Venus, is super hot and super heavy, so that uh, nothing that we know of could live there, but maybe there's some microbes in the atmosphere. And uh, they figure in this region it's anywhere from 30 degrees Fahrenheit up to 200 degrees. And uh, I was thinking maybe they found uh, Lando Calrissian's Cloud City from Star Wars. 
<laughs> Maybe too obscure a cultural reference. It's, a, it's definitely too obscure for me. <laughs> well, I think that was in the, the uh, second one, The Empire Strikes Back. I see. I see. But don't quote me on I that. I might have to uh, watch that one again. Uh, yeah, well, if that is true, that would be, uh, you know, quite amazing. Again, uh, how what incredibly hostile environments that uh, life can actually, uh, you know, propagate. You know, so uh, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. That's right. And uh, you know, now this will be reviewed, and other people will maybe come up with some alternate scenarios to produce that chemical in the atmosphere of Venus. But similarly, on segueing into our next article on extraterrestrial life the uh, we we kind of missed this last month but last month the uh, Mars Curiosity rover celebrated its 8th anniversary of running around on Mars in the Gale crater and the the rover has journeyed it moves very slow but it's gone 14 miles and drilled 28 rock samples scooped up six soil samples, and it found that ancient Mars was suitable for maybe a, another microorganism form of life. So congratulations to the Curiosity rover. Yeah, pretty amazing. Well, do you know what the, uh, what was its original... Uh you know, lifespan uh, projected yeah, like as that, like maybe that, a, a like year that, or two. Or yeah, I think it was in in a few years. But uh, typical with the robust design and astute management of the electronics and systems on board, they've been able to extend these the rover lifetimes. And then the the rover that's on its way to Mars now will have a little helicopter on it. So that'll be interesting if. Uh, how that works to extend the uh, the view of the uh, rover from just the landing site to farther out. All right. Um, any other tech talk you have for us today? Yeah, we got a couple of other things. And, uh, you know, we talked about recycling tires. Well, the uh, Singapore Nanyang Technological University has come up with a method of extracting lithium and other precious metals from rechargeable batteries without using a lot of energy or toxic chemicals or producing a toxic waste. And basically, this uses orange peels, ground-up orange peels, and citric acid. So this might be a, another sustainable way of... Uh, doing some further recycling of all these lithium batteries that we've been using these days. Sounds like the dressing I had on my salad. The other <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can use that to extract your batteries. And <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> but that, that, the, uh, the information I said didn't really say how it worked. I assume they have to... Uh, you know, grind up the batteries and uh, do some other stuff before they actually expose them to the the citric chemicals. All right, very interesting. Yeah, and 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 you have something else for us? I think. I'm well, I can close with a. It's an interesting technology item, but uh, 
There was a news release today from the Recording Industry Association that vinyl sales have surpassed CD sales in the first half of the year. And uh, But when you look at the numbers, that, uh, sure enough, they've surpassed CD sales, but because of the pandemic, nobody's been buying CDs. So, uh, you know, vinyl sales have been increasing slightly over the years, and uh, it's just the fact that CD sales plunged so much that since uh, the first time since 1986, 34 years, that vinyl has exceeded CD sales. But that's just one of those uh, statistical uh, curiosities. Those other ones when they have yeah, that, uh, that is uh, very interesting. It's and, uh, and, of yeah. course, pretty much everything is uh, being downloaded these days. Right. They said those that uh, would buy CDs are just downloading now. Although dinosaurs like you and me like to have some physical music in their hands so we can read the liner notes. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, yeah, even I have gone the way of the download uh, these days, you know, pretty much, you know. So it's a... Uh, well, you know, because you get your, I do my, do my Amazon Prime. I shouldn't, uh, you know, advertise for them, but, um, you know, anyway, because uh, I have too many CDs, and it costs too much money to keep buying them. <laughs> I know, but I always buy them used. Yeah, well, that's good. That's good. That's yep. good. Okay, well, so is that a wrap for today? That's a wrap. Glad we could get together, and you guys stay safe out there. Okay, well, thank you. Okay, thank you. And, uh, you know, don't let the smoke get in your eyes. Here. So, uh, okay, that was Cousin Rick calling in from Needham, Massachusetts with Rick's Tech Talk.